You're not supposed to drive with the Apple Vision Pro. Taylor Swift doesn't want her jet tracked and Hey, stop worrying about OLED monitors. They're being covered. Let's get into the hot news, everybody. I'm your Brad host. We're gonna be going over the hottest tech news I can find on the internet while you enjoy your breakfast this Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. And we're gonna start off with a small little update that Intel has brought to their thread director setup over on Linux. In case you've been rocking one of the 12th, 13th, or 14th gen CPUs from Intel on the Penguin platform, well, now the Threadripper enhancements can give you higher performance to the tune of 14% thanks to some Linux kernel improvements, which is good in case you've been thinking about using Intel on Linux. And in case you've been thinking about using the Apple Vision Pro while driving, the US Secretary of Transportation says, don't do it. It's illegal in all 50 states because all advanced driver assistance systems available today require the human driver to be in control and fully engaged with the driving task at all time. But this is also coming on the back of the fact that there's been plenty of viral footage of either people driving a Tesla Model 3 or Cybertruck with this thing on. And turns out that the original viral video of the person and the Model 3 admits that it was fake, including the footage of the police being in the background. They just happened to be in the right place at the right time with police lights and sirens going off, and they just happened to put the Vision Pro on while they were in their car, and they just put the Vision Pro on for 30 to 40 seconds to get the viral clip that we see on the internet. I've already covered this in a short, which you can watch right up there, but these things don't work while you're driving, even if you're a passenger, so it's clear that all of it was a publicity stunt. Just don't do it. It's not safe, especially if it's somehow the display crashes or anything like that. Yes, you could just take it off like this, but still, it's still not a great idea. And YouTube didn't think it was a great idea to have their app on the Vision Pro at launch. However, they are now confirming that it is indeed going to be coming out at some point. They say that it is on the roadmap. However, if you wanna just use YouTube in the meantime, just load it up in Safari. However, there are third-party apps such as Juno for YouTube, which is made by the developer of the previous Apollo for Reddit app that people seem to love. Juno for YouTube is currently the easiest way to watch YouTube on the Apple Vision Pro. It's still a uh, version 1.0 software, so it does have some bugs and hiccups. There's no back button when you're watching the video. So if the video completes, it just gives you a replay. So you have to replay the video to then exit out if you're in full screen. However, there, there's a lot to love about it. And it's from a dev who had the entire rug pulled out from under him with the whole Reddit API access stuff that was going on. But we're also getting more details on the physical hardware of the Apple Vision Pro. Jerry Rig everything confirming in his teardown that in fact, the glass that's at the front here of the Vision Pro is not glass at all. In fact, it's a plastic film. It scratches way too easily, but it's actually plastic on the front and then also plastic on the back. So that way, if it shatters like this, there are no glass pieces that anybody can touch. That's good for as far as keeping people safe. But unfortunately, as shown in the video, is that this plastic scratches very easily, scuffs very easily, and it can actually go over the cameras, at which point you have to pay nearly $800 either for the glass to be replaced by Apple or $300 for Apple Care Plus and then $500 for Apple to replace the glass or I might be getting those numbers backwards. But regardless, it's very expensive to replace this front glass thing. And if it gets scuffed as plastic, that's not gonna be a great time. And Spotify hasn't been having a great time trying to compete with Apple in the music department because they are confirming that their numbers are indeed up in terms of subscribers, but their numbers are indeed down when it comes to the amount of money that they're making. They confirmed that they have 236 million people using Spotify on the paid user side and their free tier has grown to 602 million people. So 
almost a billion people using this platform. So they're up four and 5% respectively, but with that, they're operating at a loss, specifically with a lot of the acquisitions that they're trying to make lately. Joe Rogan allegedly just recently got a $250 million deal for his podcast and not even to keep it exclusive on Spotify anymore. Additionally, they've been adding things like audiobooks, trying to keep up with Audible and Apple Music on those sides of things. And that leads to the fact that they are losing money. Apple Music hasn't disclosed since 2019 how many subscribers they have, but at that point, it was roughly 60 million. YouTube Music's currently sitting at around 100 million, thanks to the fact that YouTube Premium's included with that. But let me know which music provider do you use? I'm curious to hear from you down below. And Reese, let us know what your deals are. Yo, welcome back to CFT Deals, bringing the hottest tech deals on the internet. You know, deal stuff. Starting off today, we have the Deepcool LT720 360mm AIO CPU liquid cooler, which is a personal favorite of mine, and I ended up staring at it for like five minutes at Micro Center the first time I saw one. But you can pick it up for only $109.99 with the included promo code, making $30 off. Then next, we have the Bay Dynamic DT770 Pro Studio Reference Headphones for only $99 with the included promo code, making it $160 off for some of my favorite closed back headphones. And then lastly, today we have the Sapphire MD Radeon RX 7900 XT 20GB graphics card for only $669.99 with the coupon applied, which that's an insane price. And hey, with that, the deals are done. You can find these and more linked in the video description down below. But until next time, I'm gonna hand you off back to Brett for the rest of your hot news. Cheers. Well, Taylor Swift thinks she's getting a bad deal when it comes to people tracking her jet. This is the same issue that we saw with Elon Musk with the Elon jet tracker that happened a while ago over on Twitter using publicly available information about how these jets exist and where they go and where they're taking off from and where they're landing at. A University of Central Florida junior has been tracking these things publicly on various social media accounts and now has received a cease and desist letter from Taylor Swift's lawyers saying that it's caused direct and irreparable harm as well as emotional and physical distress and that unless this individual stops the stalking and harassing behavior, they would have no choice but to pursue any and all legal remedies. This happened with Elon a little while back. He tried to pay him off, tried to give him uh, money in order to do it, but because it's all publicly available information, there's not technically a whole lot that can be done. Obviously, that doesn't stop people from filing frivolous lawsuits, but a cease and desist is also technically not legal action because nothing's actually been pursued. It's just a legal letter that is sent from lawyers. Additionally, Taylor Swift's teams added, while this may be a game to you or an avenue that you hope you will earn wealth or fame, it is a life or death matter for our client and that there is no legitimate interest in or public need for this information other than to stalk, harass, or exert dominion and control. However, the counter argument to that for many people tends to be along the lines of tracking emissions for these types of celebrities who go on to promote that we should be doing good for the planet, but then belch out as much CO2 in one plane jet to ride to go visit their boyfriend playing a football game than a human would in their entire lifetime. Some would argue that there is public interest, but the individual behind the account saying that the information's already out there, her team thinks they can control the world, and that I think it's important to note that nowhere do I intend to do harm. I actually think Swift has some good songs. I believe in transparency and public information. Let me know what you think of this jet tracking situation down below in the comments. It was pretty divided the last time we talked about it when it came to Elon Musk, but I want to hear if things change because now Taylor Swift is involved. And speaking of things tied to Elon Musk, Blue Sky, which is a Twitter alternative decentralized social media platform that was actually started by the former founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, who is now still on the board, but 
Blue Sky is no longer part of Twitter. It's a whole thing. Anyways, it's now open and available to everyone in case you want to join that. It had around 3 million users last spring. I want to know if you have tried out Blue Sky. Does this interest you now that it's not invite only and you can get in in case you want to? Let me know down below in the comments if you're interested in Blue Sky. Meta is interested in making sure that AI content that's on their platform, specifically in this election year here in the US, is actually getting properly disclosed. With them announcing that they have plans to make sure that every AI image generation thing that's posted on their site is going to have something that says it's AI generated with them saying that they are building industry leading tools that can identify invisible markers at scale, especially when it comes to the biggest models, including ones from Google, OpenAI, Microsoft, Adobe, Midjourney, and Shutterstock so that they can identify those. However, they do say that they are struggling with identifying text that's been generated by AI. However, with images, there's tends to be an invisible watermark that they can see. So they'll be able to disclose that a little bit more easily. And then the ones that'll slip under the radar are the ones that are not made using the mainstream models, but could be potentially custom made by whoever's trying to purposely uh, send out this content out on social media. But let's talk about the social media platform you're using right now, because the CEO of YouTube has issued his guidance for the platform for 2024. And unfortunately, it doesn't mention a whole lot about ads and ad blockers. So you're just gonna have to type furiously down below in the comments about that. With them saying that they are prioritizing TV, shorts, AI and monetization for creators, specifically that they have more than a billion hours on average of YouTube content viewed on TVs every single day. And that in the last three years, the number of top creators that received the majority of their watch time on the big screen increased more than 400%, which probably wasn't very high in the first place. So that 400% marker is not very good. Uh, specifically looking at the UFD tech channel, roughly four to four and a half percent of our content is viewed on the TV, 5% is viewed on a tablet, then I I think it's 10 to 15% is on a PC and then the rest is viewed on mobile phones, which is aided and abetted by the fact that we upload many shorts. They say that shorts are averaging over 70 billion daily views and the number of channels uploading shorts has grown 50% year over year. And then on top of that, saying that they're gonna try to work to make sure that creators actually can account for their jobs with how they're being recognized by industries and potentially government to some extent, which would be great if I could get recognized as having a legitimate job so that I could potentially get uh, have an easier time getting a mortgage. That'd be great. But then on the financial side of things, I'm addressing that more than 3 million channels are in the YouTube Partner Program. They've paid over $70 billion to creators, artists, and media companies over the last three years, and that the number of creators using memberships increased more than 50% last year, and creators are seeing the impact of fan funding, which doesn't really say a whole lot, and that their business as a streaming service relies not just on engagement, but on giving viewers and advertisers, of course, confidence they can count on us to deliver high quality content and that they're creating a healthy experience full of correct information. So YouTube not really saying a whole lot that wasn't previously known. They are targeting TVs, they are targeting shorts, they are targeting trying to make money, pretty obvious stuff. But what wasn't obvious was how people were gonna take care of their OLED monitors, especially one of the biggest concerns when it comes to monitors being used with an OLED panel is that burn-in tends to happen when you have permanent images like your taskbar just sitting at the bottom of the screen. And now it's being addressed by some of the major players in the space. Asus and MSI revealing that they have upped their warranty for OLED monitors, specifically on the burn-in side. Asus coming out and saying that they're gonna give two years warranty for burn-in on their Asus models. But then MSI, less than 24 hours later, said that, hey, 
we're going to give you three years on a specific MSI OLED Care 2.0 models that are just now launching, which is a good thing. It doesn't cover previous models, but they believe in the new panels that are going out to give that three-year warranty. Now, this does tie Dell with their Alienware OLED warranty, which still happens to be three years, but it's good to see that this is being addressed for specifically the burn-in issue that a lot of people are worried about when it comes to OLED gaming monitors. Let me know if having a higher warranty on the monitor that you're looking to purchase makes it a more feasible choice for you or are you still waiting for things like the price to come down or maybe different feature sets that you want on OLED panels? Or are you waiting for something like micro LED to come out before you actually take the plunge on buying a new monitor? Let me know down below in those comments and I'm gonna respond to some of your comments from yesterday's episode of Hot News. We got ZBishop90 saying, Arc Plus Titan is like the time Yugi used polymerization on Mammoth Graveyard in Living Era, which I, I had to look that up and found out it's in episode 23 and it helped him to defeat the, the Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon from Seto Kaiba. Good moves, Yugi, good moves. And then Nick saying, I used to rock two 660 Ti's in SLI. Still have the cards gathering dust in a closet. Then Reller is saying, Voodoo 2 SLI mode to play tribes back in the old days. And then Dave Software saying they should do one with AMD, NVIDIA, and Intel, and then they could have an RGB system. That that was the joke a lot of people made. A rip that we don't really have multi-GPU support on many games anymore. It kind of sucks. Then we got Z-Shrink saying, digging that coffee mug, will there be one that has colors? Are we going to get a remake of the shirt that says, start drinking nerds, we're curing rare diseases? Uh, no, there will not be a color version of this specifically because we were going for the zebra tone, so black and white, that was kind of the idea behind it. So we don't have plans to launched a different mug on that. Additionally, no other merch really being planned right now. Just, uh, and this is not going to be for sale on the website at launch. It's just going to be the coffee. So this has been made for promotional reasons, not necessarily uh, uh, sale reasons. But uh, let me know if you're interested in us actually selling the mug as well. Then we got Octagonal Square saying, I always call social engineering meatware security exploits. Great name. Crazy J12 saying, I like the sandwich cards back in the day. My second card ever was a 9800GX2. Kept me warm during the winter. Jdub says, a friend's two 980Ti's was the last time I ever saw an SLI setup. I think the last time I ever saw an SLI setup was in a laptop, like one of them MSI Tunyons that had like two 980s or two 1080s in the system. It was a, it's a long time ago. Then we got Vela saying, Quest 3 already has the ability to have multiple users in the same area with several headsets, which is great. But I, I think with the Quest 3 and the Apple Vision Pro, like, yes, there's a lot of comparisons that can be drawn specifically because this is $500 and the Vision Pro is $3,500. But the thing that we're talking about with the Vision Pro is not the hardware. The hardware is excellent. We're talking about software, which unfortunately, like Apple is just now getting into it. It takes a long time to develop a robust ecosystem with tons of apps that actually work effectively. And now they're entering into it. And I just, they weren't gonna have it on day one. And if you need that experience on day one, then you probably shouldn't buy it. But on the same token, like, the MetaQuest 3 is the third version of the Quest line of headsets from Oculus. And then you had the Rift, and then you had the CV1, and I think there was a CV2. There was like dev versions of the Oculus before that. Like the actual software pipeline for the Oculus Quest 3 has been almost a decade in the making. It's been like, it's been going for a long time now. And to see that people are comparing on day less than a week 
uh, of the Apple Vision Pro on software side of things to the Quest 3, I think we could just recognize that with the Vision Pro, we can say, oh, there's nothing hardware limiting it from doing that. We just need somebody to develop the, the application for it, which I'm waiting to see. We got Hardware Dynasty saying, I followed the Minecons tutorial to enable rebar on an AliExpress X99 motherboard so I could have rebar for my A750 or 6750 XT. Worked like a charm. Glad to hear it. Glad to see that it worked for you. And then we got Dungeon Lord closing it out saying my favorite SLI Crossfire was way back in the day with the Quad EVGA GeForce 8800s. Can't remember if it was the GTX or the Ultras. If you had four 8800 Ultras, that would be wild. Paired with the Core 2 Extreme QX6800 and a PC with dual PSUs because today's Monster 1600 watt PSUs didn't exist then. Mad lad, mad respect. Four 8800 Ultras, man. I. I was in high school, so I, I, I like my my best friend got an 8800 Ultra, and he worked all summer to afford that, and I was I was so jealous, still jealous, and I'm still ending this episode of Hot News. We'll be back with more of the hottest tech news for you tomorrow. See you then.